Ame power? Is it Ame? I believe that's right, yeah. Ame power. Florida Small Business Winner Award winner or uh, Business Week winner. You won. The 2024 Republican presidential primary field is taking shape. The battle lines are becoming clearer, and so is the field of candidates. Is the odds-on favorites, if you look at the polling, still Trump versus Biden? That seems to be it, but it's just way too early to tell. I'm more angry now, and I'm more committed now than I ever was. big challenge for these candidates is going to be, how do they navigate Donald Trump? And, and how do they navigate Ron DeSantis? You and I have a rendezvous with death. Welcome back to another big week of the Ruthless Variety program again. Fellas, I think the content will never end with Joe Biden. That was that was a leader of the free world, <laughs> the man with his finger on the nuclear button, unable to complete a sentence. How would you like to have, you know, an audience with the president of the United States ostensibly there to try to praise your good work <laughs> and he doesn't have a fucking clue on how to actually say your company <laughs> or the award? It's Ami Power, isn't that correct, Duncan? Yeah. Congratulations, you won. <laughs> Either way, you're the winner. Like, okay, great. Like it was news to them. <laughs> they knew what they had coming when they invited him in the first place, though, right? Yeah. I mean, gee whiz. Well, listen, we got a big week. We had a big week last week, and I think it's just going to keep spooling up from here, don't you guys think? It seems like we got a presidential up and running. They're actually doing some meaningful stuff in Congress. You got a bunch of stories out there. The animals are still going nuts. Yeah, I mean, it looks like it's going to be a packed show. Yeah, yeah, we got some good stuff. Uh, We should probably start with an update. We left you on Thursday with the conversation about, uh, from our standpoint, what needed to happen in the House of Representatives in terms of getting that debt ceiling over the finish line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Congratulations to Kevin McCarthy and his team uh, for getting that thing done. Yeah, House Republicans just did it. They just got they it got done. got it done, and now the whole story is, okay, well, are Democrats going to do their job? Yeah. Because House Republicans, like, they counted so hard on being able to be like, oh, look, House Republicans are out of control. They can't pass anything. House Republicans pass it and like, oh, shit, well— now what, guys? <laughs> yeah, it, <and> <laughs> that was our whole plan. Yeah, and you recall, like that, we basically laid that out, and they had bet since the beginning of the year they wouldn't be able to get it done, and you could tell immediately in the reaction from Chuck Schumer, uh, the Senate uh, Democratic leader, who who basically was like, "Oh yeah, well we're not doing that," and I was like, "Okay, well, what's your plan then?" Yeah, Haas. What, what I mean, the what entire argument now? that they had was they were hoping they would have leverage over republicans being like oh they can't pass anything they'd push this to the deadline and just have their way and the whole time have the media running with with their talker of like oh wow republicans can't get anything done democrats are doing their job well the tables have turned completely on this and they're completely flat-footed they have no plan biden has said uh he's he's willing to meet with kevin mccarthy but not about the debt ceiling it's like yeah what so so what exactly is your job yeah, <laughs> what is it you do around here, Joe Biden? It just changes everything, as we talked about. And now they really are in a position where they have to explain to the American people that they either don't care about their savings and the economy and their job and everything else, or they're going to have to come to the table. And so this week, we'll see how they handle that. There was some suggestion that they would put a clean debt ceiling on the floor of the Senate, uh, which would go down miserably. Mm-hmm. And then potentially voting on the House. The problem is, as I've read it and I understand it, is that Chuck Schumer is afraid he might lose some Democrats on it. Yeah. So, like, he doesn't want to advertise that they got the weak hand. So he doesn't want to do that either. 
And I mean, it's a, it's a tougher job for him. You've got a lot of Democrat senators in red states up for election yep. this year, and uh, they don't they don't want to you know lose an election. They don't want to be caught holding the hot potato on this thing. Totally. Well, and so I think you would also see this a little bit. Like they expected to have less time. Like they, what the Democrats wanted was to run out the clock on this. Yes. And you know Schumer in his tweet. <clears throat> said, uh, put plainly, Republicans default on America, DOA Act, pushes us closer to default, right? Like they want it, they want this specter of default <laughs> to be there, but it's like almost like this tweet was scheduled for like a month from now, you know? And so he's like, now he has to do his job and he wasn't prepared to do that? No, that's, that's exactly what. Right. That's what we explained last week, yeah. is that they weren't prepared. But they got. They better get prepared. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh, we love to see it. So, but speaking of those red state uh, senators that are up, a very big announcement at the end of last week, and we've talked about a little bit in the program. Governor Justice, uh, the current the current governor of West Virginia, has decided he's getting into the race. Well, it's not just Governor Justice; it's also Baby Dog. That's exactly Which is right. Huge. And, and he forget. took my advice. I said, you know, the best thing is for Jim Justice is put Baby Dog front center at his announcement of course in in like a human-sized chair it was a chair that would be fit for human baby dog filled it up sitting right next to him on his throne it looked like a million but you know blessing the campaign nobody puts baby dog in the corner absolutely nobody least of all joe manchin (laughs) who is running around over the last week still sort of convoluting himself into believing that he is going to be running for re-election yeah down 10 to 15 depending on the poll to justice yeah and the primary author of the Inflation Reduction Act, which, as you know, is like Green New Deal light, yep. that he has now over the last week been terribly disappointed to find out was a Green New light Deal light deal and oh, actually shucks. just destroyed the good people of West Virginia. Which is so wild because like he's running around trying to be like, I am so disappointed this is attacking fossil fuels. You wrote this. You pushed this, buddy. Like, what did you think was going to happen? <laughs> and he's pretending like it's the implementation. Oh, yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. So, oh, you know, I... I wrote destroy such, my state and they did. What the hell? For such a sophisticated guy, you think... Hmm. Do you think that this team of socialists in the White House would would give you the benefit of the doubt on how they implement your socialist language? <laughs> like, what does he think? Of course not. Of course not. But if you listen to Joe Manchin, he's like, well, you know, I, I may even vote to repeal my own bill. Unbelievable. It's a hot dog meme if there ever was. It's so good. It's so good. Oh. So anyway, he's got deep trouble there, and we'll keep an eye on that because that is the important race as we get started here. You recall last cycle when it was the failure to recruit Sununu in New Hampshire that sort of laid the predicate for all of the Senate problems with recruiting and candidates and everything else? This one was that sort of crown jewel recruit that 22 didn't happen, Mm -hmm. right? Right. This is the one they needed to change the rest of the map. And it came together for him. So. And also, I think signals to the rest rest of the field out there that, hey, you know, we're going to be putting our best foot forward. We're serious about winning this. Yep. You know, if you want to step up to the plate, let's let's play to win. Yeah, totally, totally right. I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the NFL draft, Michael. Come on. We're, re- we're really going to do you, it. Did you watch, Michael? <laughs> I did. I did watch. What you think, Michael? Well, I think I made my views very clear on Twitter and in the group chat that I was disappointed with the Colts selecting Anthony Richardson. The best part is for six weeks we conjured up 
different ways in which you could get to that place and all laughed. You guys laughed. did. I mean, you guys did this. I want, <laughs> first of all, I have to say you did this. It's like you put it on your vision board and you manifested this into reality. <laughs> and I have to live with the consequences, which, of course, I'm sure you enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, I, the one thing I would say is I think it was actually worse than you guys think it was for our Indianapolis Colts because the Houston Texans had the second pick and they took cj stroud and then they went ahead and they got the third pick from the cardinals and they took the best guy in the whole draft will anderson and now i have the pleasure of watching my team play against those two folks for probably the next decade so yeah i mean i'm still trying to process the whole thing overall a lot of really interesting picks the colts had in the draft i mean i I think look i mean obviously the anthony richardson's i think a low probability of succeeding yeah but, but the guy's like physically talented obviously michael you have to take the long view oh, of this richardson yeah. pick uh-huh. it was actually genius because it sets your team up to take caleb williams first overall next year <laughs> <laughs> and he's gonna be a wonderful always NFL looking around the corner for you that's so ashbrook. that's so thoughtful thank you ashbrook <laughs> Now, your team didn't bother having a pick this year. No, I remember like all the guys were talking about the draft and uh, for day one. And the Broncos, we just gave all our picks for Russell Wilson, just set our team on fire, set our draft on fire. So everyone's talking about the draft, and I was like, all right, guys. I mean, I was out. I, I went out. I had a great time. Didn't didn't even know, didn't follow the draft. The brotherhood parlay is going to be tough to execute next year. It yeah. sure is. I mean, we hit it once last season. I think that's the only time it's going to happen. It's going to yeah. be real tough. It's going to pay well. <laughs> it will be. The, the odds, odds, are, odds are completely against us. The odds will be great. Uh, I also have to mention, so over the weekend, they had the White House Correspondents Dinner here in Washington, D.C., which for I, those of you at home, uh, you probably see this, it comes up every once in a while, where journalists like to act as though it's the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty much a collection of the worst people <laughs> in one room, right? And every, like, 22-year-old Hill staffer furiously fighting to try to get a ticket into the parties. into this shit show yeah. when it's just completely off. I mean... It airs on C-SPAN, you know? Like, that should be your first tell. It's an award show that's on C-SPAN, so that tells you this isn't exactly a marquee event. However, it's all the most terrible people from D.C. patting themselves on the back, being like, we did it, guys. We'll have half of SNL in here. We're all going to kumbaya. Yeah, it's like B- real B-list stuff, too. It is. C, D, tre- you know, F-list kind of people. Yeah. And then, like, I lo- and you see the photos that the journalists put up on Twitter, and it's just like... They emptied the dungeons out for this one, folks. But, like, if you're, like, the worst folks society has. If you're like a bona fide movie or TV star and you get talked into that joint and then you walk through the red carpet and you get into the main event, aren't you like, oh, son of a bitch. Yeah, you show, you're like, wait a minute, I thought this is a real work. <laughs> it's like it literally is thousands of people just trying to get a selfie with you. Well, I, I will admit, and you guys won't be surprised to hear this, I was that 20-something Hill staffer at one it, point dude, in my this career. This explains so much. <laughs> so much. Friend all journos. <laughs> I'm sure you were. I was. Sure I was. I was. But, you know, it's it's not it's not what it once once was. It never was. It never was, dude. It but, never was. But this is So this is why I bring it up, because it's caught my eye. Politico Playbook had, they've been playing this up for a week which the playbook used to like sort of get the joke on this stuff. And mm-hmm. they were like, yeah, like everyone, we know everybody thinks it's dorky. Like we'll do our parties and stuff, but like, that's just kind of for us. They've gone now over the last year 
of, of trying to promote this again like it's the Oscars, right? So like every day last week was this big thing on the parties and the this, that, and the other thing. And I'm reading, I'm like, my God. Like nobody's told them, I guess. So I open it up Sunday morning. The f- first thing under their headline, Driving the Day, is scenes from the WHCD. All right, and you're like, oh God, okay, I got, I got to see what this is about. <laughs> Literally, the first line: Brittany Griner holding court with Gail King. Parentheses quote, I just got chills. Unquote. Remarked one nearby party goer. I mean, this. I mean, that's just a perfect summation of it. I was like, it's that's a perfect it. I don't need to read another it. sentence. I got it. I got it. Can you ma- can you imagine going to a party where there is someone who is invited? Who would say that about that scene? Yeah, I it, just got it's chills. Like, it's like Comic Con for a different <laughs> different set of nerds. I'll, I'll tell you what. I, in college, I'd been to parties where people just got out of prison. It was a lot more fun. <laughs> oh, jeez. Than this. Well, they used to put they used to put on a real show for everybody, and it's just evolved into a left wing circus. There was something really funny that happened though that I have to uh, I have to share here I, I got this from Scott Jennings a uh, friend of the program mm-hmm. fantastic guy you might see him on CNN he's the only thing that makes that show watchable that he's on um, but uh, Biden told this joke uh, during his set uh-huh. um, he said Biden said in a lot of ways this dinner sums up my first two years in office I'll talk for 10 minutes take zero questions and cheerfully walk away <laughs> And they're all and all the journalists they laughed and they laughed and it's like, the journalists like he it's good because he's mocking us it's good oh because he doesn't answer our questions oh that guy's so funny they're like he's right to dismiss us we are lapdogs yeah it, it's at the White House correspondence dinner he's literally making fun of the people who put up put on the show I saw I saw some dude got an award for his coverage of the White House which is like you know they gained out awards for these and it was one because they they humanized oh. Uh, Joe Biden I saw exploring that. So his relationship with his brother and his Catholic faith. And, and he's like shaking hands with all of the White House people. It's like, this is not journalism where you have an adversarial relationship with people in power and your job is to hold them to account. This is them congratulating themselves, especially at a time where you have a bank collapse over the weekend. Right. You know, you've got people, the, the new polls show that you've got 70% of Americans struggling to pay their bills, and you've got 39% of Americans saying that they've skipped a meal to afford their house payment. And they're all in, in, in D.C. in their ball gowns celebrating Joe Biden. With, I like, mean, it's with just, like John Legend. It's so beyond tone deaf, <laughs> self-congratulatory, disgusting, and insular. It's like if you found one room that you could just like jail everybody, <laughs> you, you, you'd do a great job with that one. That's hysterical. Uh, the last bit of uh, banter that I have here for it, fellas is that I got a note from Mary Catherine Ham, mm, friend of the program. Yeah. Been on a couple of times. Uh, she does great. She found herself in New Hampshire over the weekend. Okay. And she was walking uh, out of the New Hampshire airport and she had to clip a picture. And it is of a moose, mm. a very large moose, that is, it, it looks like a taxidermy moose here. Okay. I will send it out on Twitter so you know what we're talking about. But it's it's pinned in and it's surrounded by what it, it looks like four police officers. And she's been a regular listener of the program and knows that we've done at least two segments here. Extensive moose coverage. About the moose coverage. Yeah. And, and so she wants our take on this. And it's basically like, 
are these cops training for the moose wars? <laughs> yeah. They're are, trying to do exercises. Are they doing exercises or is this, the, do they have, maybe this is a detained moose? Well, I, well. That they're, that, well, that they're what, like trying to get, is like an informant. What, what airport was this at? In New Hampshire. I, she just said, where, where were you over the weekend, Smug? Maybe I thought maybe he was go. there and trying to fight the thing, and that's go. why the cops Man got of called. Mystery. Were you fighting moose? I mean, I would. So, what, <laughs> what, 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 would. one thing I did see that was really fascinating, reminds me of this, is uh, you know, one of these YouTube documentaries I like to watch. I don't know if folks remember, I think it was like 97 or something like that, the shootout in, in Hollywood where the two bank robbers recovered head to toe in body armor. Yeah, like I remember that. Guns. And like at the time, police only had essentially like handguns yeah. to take them on, had to run to like a gun store. And ever since then, now you've got, you know, like an AR in every cop car in case they get into that situation. I think this is an exact example of now police have woken up to the threat. It. It's the moose. Of like you, you've got your SWAT teams for if there's a bank being robbed and you're going to have to have a team to react to moose attacks. Uh, moose tactical and, team. Yeah, yeah, 100%. They're probably training. So this moose is tactics. moose tactical as I think. That's it. I think. And, and you probably get like a special badge for that. Probably. Moose tactical. Yeah. I'm guessing that's got to be the case because these cops look like they mean business. And this moose definitely means business. It's it's fenced, and it like I said, it appears stuffed. So they're running exercises on this. This is the, we've talked about this on the show. What we recommend is that they find a flying squirrel, and that the flying <laughs> squirrel can then tell the moose what to do. Yes. I mean, I'd say I mean <laughs> rocking pulling. It, 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 it's the greatest. It's the greatest uh, case for open carry because if you see a moose, like I, I, I can't understand why you wouldn't just open fire. Like it's a gimme. You're, you can yeah. be like a hero for a day. Right, trophy on the wall. Trophy on the wall. But Get but a most. lot of people pointed out when you said that, it, like, you know, it depends on what kind of weapon you're dealing with. I mean, you could just fire, you could empty an entire clip. Get, get high ground and clear shot. In, into that thing and it would not even, you would just like, it'd be like a bee I stand. Mean, yeah, you're gonna, high ground, clear shot, and a headshot. You're going to open carry an elephant rifle? <laughs> You get a you get a headshot. You get a good headshot on the moose. It'll bring it down, dude. I don't think a forty so, caliber will crack its skull. I guarantee it. Well, forty <laughs> cal. Yeah, if you're going with a hand cannon. Yeah, you could do that. <laughs> Just casually bringing my grenade launcher through the airport. Oh man. Anyway, so I hope that answers your question, Mary Catherine. We're going to keep stay on this. I appreciate your vigilance because the, the minions need it. Well, for for one of the first stories we need to cover. Speaking of thick skulls. Yeah, the Joe Biden. Joe Biden, wake up. <laughs> just an amazing, just an amazing story. So, you know, like, look, we get, uh, we cover his situation extensively. So, but we don't give you everything because it's like, I mean, how many times can we talk about the fact that he's just not all there? But every once in a while, something comes through where you're like, wow, this is, a, this is unbelievable. So Axios wrote, wrote one of those wow stories and it's entitled biden's age trap risks of running at 80 i mean falling and injuring yourself i think would be chief among them (laughs) well a little bicycling he's already got notched that one (laughs) right uh polls show that most voters uh of most ages wonder the same thing can president biden really win the white house again at nearly 82 and run it competently into age 86 and like you know you've seen the polls that most people are like ah, most democrats are like ah, i don't know that so <clears throat> he goes on to say it's a line of questioning the white house hates yeah i can understand that and it tries to brush it off but there's so many unknowns to rolling into your mid 80s with more power than anyone on earth it's already an issue in the 24 campaign with some republicans bluntly saying biden might not live through a second term uh, you, you recall it like Nikki Haley made a big 
big topic. Trump, not so much. Right? right. He, he brings up his obvious frailty, but he doesn't like talking about the age thing for, for obvious reasons. But this gets into a little bit more of his schedule, mm. which is where I think we pick this up. And Smug, I, I don't know what your takeaway is on uh, them lifting their opening the kimono on this situation of what this guy does. But it doesn't look good to me. Yeah. So it, it says right here, it says... Uh, um, this is essentially the, the schedule. It says some White House officials say it's difficult to schedule public or private events with the president in the morning, in the evening, or on weekends. The vast majority of Biden's public events happen on weekdays between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. <laughs> Biden has said he takes his time in the mornings. Right? He claims, I'm up at 7, 7.15. He told the Smart List podcast last November, adding that he works out from about 8 to 8.45 a.m. Okay. Bullshit. Number one. <laughs> Bullshit number one. Well, you got it, but you have to. You have to understand the time that it takes him to get between sets. Like the actual working <laughs> yeah. out is probably. I mean, uh, no one believes. No one believes this guy's hitting the gym in the morning. Nobody believes that for a second. Uh, yeah, number two, the, he's claiming. The gym. He's, Can I just stop you there? Hitting the gym is relative. He could be taking a Campbell's soup can and just lifting it up and putting it back down, and then switching arms and working on just working on the shoulders. I, I, a I envision bit. like a hand, he could old, be doing a hand bike. I, I envision sort of old timey uh, medicine balls. <laughs> you know, you what's that thing that shakes? You put it behind your back and it just shakes. Yeah, the, the like a uh, conveyor belt. Yeah, the thing. conveyor belt. Yeah. Thing. yeah, the Elvis thing. But, it, but so, but it underscores their issue, right? So, the, according to the article, the White House rarely puts Biden in, pro, in improvisational settings or in front of hostile <laughs> questions from reporters. So, it's tough for anyone outside of his tight bubble to truly appraise the reality of Biden being the oldest president in U.S. history. Behind the scenes, of course, his advisors say he's very mentally sharp. But then they go into that schedule that you were talking about. Yeah. So he doesn't do mornings, he doesn't do evenings, and he's got like uh, stuff he needs to do in the afternoon. I mean, this is this is really interesting. So they say a breakdown of Biden's schedule so far in 2023 reveals how his staff tries to ensure he's quote at his best. Only four public events before 10 a.m. <laughs> Only four. Just a dozen public events after 6 p.m. And those are mostly dinners and receptions with foreign leaders or fundraisers. 12 full weekends with no public events. <laughs> I mean, he's not just, he didn't just run from the basement. He's, he's, he's being president from there too. <laughs> I mean, some White House aides privately have compared Biden to an aging king. <laughs> he has a tight-knit palace guard of longtime aides whose first instinct is to protect him and not take chances. As president, Biden hasn't done an interview with the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, a break from decades of presidential precedent. But I thought it was the Menorms. We're going to get Menorms back. And then you had all these uh, uh, journos clapping for him at their little award show. And then he just made fun of them. Like, why would he? When he knows they're his bitches and that they're going to seal clap for him, even (laughs) though he completely ignores them and treats them like garbage. (laughs) Turns out democracy won't die in darkness. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It it dies in a nursing facility. I mean... <laughs> well, that's what they're describing here. I mean, it, it, I think you raised this when we were talking about this last week, Smug. We get into situations as a country that require some nimbleness from its leaders. Mm-hmm. In this situation that has been described to us by Biden's aides in a publication that, if not sympathetic, it is at very least neutral. What about that description would give you any confidence at 2 a.m. the red phone rings and this guy can handle this business? Yeah, zero. It's not happening. But I mean, just seriously, think about that. Absolutely not Like, happening. isn't that a real issue? 
Mm-hmm. And a reminder, this is the guy who said, don't go after bin Laden. Oh, yeah, right. You know, so maybe, maybe it shouldn't better. answer the phone. Maybe it's maybe it's better that he's not the one answering the phone. But if he was, what would you do about that? He's like, well, I don't know. Is it happening between 10 and 2? If it's not happening between 10 and 2, I don't think I can get to it. I got my 45-minute I mean, rigorous he, workout. What's he going to say? You don't know. Like, clearly he's lost his capacity to form words and, and, and express ideas. I mean, our opener says it. You know, he'll stumble through trying to explain something. You know, his general will be like, are we going to launch or not? I'll tell you, uh, Jack Corn Pop was a mean dude. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Meanwhile, we got incoming ICBMs. I, I think I think the only way he'd get his attention is if the threat was at a you know early bird dinner at a, a Cracker Barrel. <laughs> oh, well, it's supper. Yeah, old oh, man. Excuse me, supper. Supper. You gotta, you gotta get. He's gotta do that and lay on the sofa. I'm, you know, I actually like the chicken and dumplings. <laughs> get <laughs> some supper. Get on the sofa and watch the nice man on television. Yeah. Um, but it goes to show, look, Democrats and all of the media aren't treating this situation the way they are, in large part because they think Republicans are just going to destroy themselves. It's the same policy that they've had basically with the debt ceiling. They think that because of this presidential primary on the Republican side, it basically doesn't matter what this dude looks like or, or whether he can do the job or not. Mm-hmm. And they're willing to sort of throw these articles out there and be like, well, I don't know, it's an open question. But if this were happening in any other scenario, you got to imagine they, they would be scared to death over this thing. No, no question. Wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. But they really are, are believing that like Trump and DeSantis are in this death battle and they don't have to look at anybody else. And they think that they're going to have a pretty similar hand of cards to the one they had in 2020 when they kept him in the basement and had honking cars out front. Yeah, yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> right? I mean, that. what other conclusion can you come to? Because if you're a Democratic leader and you're looking at that as told to you by aides in the White House and you're not freaking out, oh, that's it, right? It, right. it is like a, like a dark weekend at Bernie's. Yeah, no, I mean, like, look, I think there's two sides uh, to the Biden team. There's the tight knit Biden, you know, as described in the story that wants to protect him, take no chances. But then I think there's some other advisors out there that are like, let Biden be Biden, you know? Oh, yeah. Who I think we're going to hear a lot from over the next six or eight months. When you get some plunging poll numbers, the Biden be Biden. Yeah, let him get out there, you know, let him do some off-the-cuff stuff with voters. Because it's worked so well. Yeah. It's been so great. We lead our show literally once a week with right. his off-camera uh, <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Oy, Well, I mean, look, we're not in a good spot. The economy continues to be a huge problem. And you mentioned this off the top, Smug, with the uh, uh, situation with everybody's personal stuff. There's a story in NBC that says car repossessions and home foreclosures rising some Americans are living on a financial cliff. Yeah, that's the thing. So this is from the article. It says, the slowdown is starting to show up in Americans' personal finances. It has, but now it's becoming more difficult, essentially, for the media to cover it, uh, cover for it, rather. According to a recent survey from Bankrate, 49% of U.S. adults have less savings compared to a year ago. That's half of Americans are essentially just carving into their savings to, to survive. Yeah. 10% of those surveyed say they have no savings at all. The upshot, the most disastrous outcomes for U.S. households like uh, auto repossessions and home foreclosures have begun to climb. So now you've got Americans losing their houses, getting their cars repossessed. You've got Joe Biden and friends having a ball gown party uh, in (laughs) D.C. And their entire agenda, as has been articulated, already enacted. 
that's the thing is right like there's not none of these people are talking about doing anything right Biden's been so successful already that's all they talk about is like well we have done it yeah and there is no legislative agenda there's they don't even talk to Kevin McCarthy there's no stated agenda on anything other than like regulatory stuff. They just keep parroting strongest economic recovery in history, which is the nonsense, bald faced lie. You're seeing the data in front of you right now of how many Americans are suffering in this economy that Joe Biden has created. And I mean, the, the proof's in the pudding. We're seeing it right here where Americans are starting to lose their homes. Half of Americans are now dipping into their savings just to survive. The situation is getting more dire by yeah. the day. We, we had a we had a bank fail this yeah, weekend. Right. Yeah. right, right. Into the a point you often make, people are living on credit cards, and that's yep. a time bomb. And it, the and you know it's looking like the Fed's going to jack interest rates again this week. Yeah, that adds to the credit card problem. It's <laughs> it's just like you know the Joe Biden economy is essentially they've created a ticking time bomb of suffering, which is starting to become more and more apparent every day for Americans. For you know. For over a year now, people have been complaining about the rising cost of food, and they've done nothing to address that. They've had no no kind of legislative plan for what they're going to do to help Americans with, with the rising cost of living in this country. No, nothing they do helps that. All they do is, okay, well, let's uh, open a room for TikTok people to have in the White House. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. Do you think, and I wonder about that, right? You hear the TikTok people, or, or like the constant gaslighting on observed realities and saying like this is not reality i wonder if a part of their overall plan is to just radicalize the opposition so much that the center of the electorate has difficulty with the tone and has difficulty with the opposition that's my thinking i think they can't run on hey look how great things are as the economic situation in this country continues to deteriorate i think this is a situation like you know you constantly hear from failing campaigns and terrible administrations where they've got a policy problem, but they take a comms approach to it. Yeah. I think they're just going to try to drown out any negative coverage, any any uh, uh, information getting out there with TikTok stars. They want to flood the zone with kids to become like, you know, they're a little programmed. Which, by the way, have you seen these handlers? cats? Oh, they're horrible. horrible. We played some audio of these, of these dudes that the White House DNC has hired to do like pro-Democrat stuff. Uh, I got to tell you, if those if those dudes resonate with anybody in the face of the planet, we got big trouble. I mean, it's full insanity. And on the other side, you have a fact pattern that is getting worse and worse for them. It's not just us saying it. The National Bureau of Economic Research is saying that there is a 67% chance that we go deeper into a recession. They're the authority on it. They yeah. are the authority. I mean, the sirens are blaring, right? The horns are going. And these guys, they're not doing anything. Anything. They're just occasionally throwing something out there that they know that the opposition is going to go absolutely wild over, and then they kind of keep walking another step down the road. It it truly is a remarkable, sinister, cynical plan, but that's what they're executing. Yeah, I, I think that's that's the perfect way to say it, is it's just pure cynicism where they don't want to address. Their job is 100% to serve the American people and do the best for them. And they simply don't want to address any of the problems that Americans are facing today and want to just like plug their ears and be like, all right, send out the TikTok kids, flood the zone journals, continue clapping for us, continue cheering for us, continue writing articles about how special my relationship with my brother is, and we'll all give you an award for it. You know? It's just they're terrible people. Oh, just don't let it, let it drive you insane. Make sure you participate in the process, folks, because they want you to go insane. Mm-hmm. They really do.
Um, all right, guy, you flagged this one again, Mike. The banana artwork. Yeah, so this is this is a wonderful story. This is coming from uh, the British uh, BBC. It says a South Korean art student ate a banana that was part of an installation by artist Maurizio Catalan, saying he was, quote, hungry after skipping breakfast. The image of this, folks, it's a banana duct taped to the wall, right? <laughs> and they called it art. And, and so, like, I saw this, and first off, it's hilarious, right? Because, like, the joke is on everybody here. Yeah. Everyone, like, the normal people are the folks who walk past this and are like, this is wonderful? Or is the normal person the dude who's like, eats it. Free snack. <laughs> Frank, frankly, I don't think anybody's normal in this situation. <laughs> I mean, this is a banana on the wall with duct tape around it. Like, it's not like it's in the company fridge. You but know it's a fresh-looking I mean? banana. It's no, not well, like covered in brown spots. It's I not like banana like, bread banana. I, you just pointed out, I think, that the most noteworthy part about this banana, it must be frequently swapped out it for has a to new be. banana. It looks super fresh, ready to roll. It does look ready to roll. And, it, like, I would be concerned <laughs> if I were the guy that it was, in fact, a fake banana. Yeah. That's a good point. Right. Because it looks that good. So the incident, this is according to BBC, the incident, which lasted more than a minute, was reported by <laughs> Mr. Doe's friend. The Liam Museum of Art did not respond to an email inquiry from the BBC. However, it told media that it will not claim damages against the student. The banana on display is reportedly replaced every two or three there days. There, there it is. Go. It's in the story. So, uh, and honestly, all he did is is make this artist famous. I mean, I've never heard of this guy before. Now everyone be like, "Oh, you're the guy who they ate the banana, right?" Yeah, it makes you makes you think it might have been a setup to start. You know? Oh, you think so? To oh, get, the old you can't pull one over on the old man. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist, but <laughs> can't pull one over on the oh, old well, man. This is amazing. So, so as, as it continues, I didn't even see this part. It says, uh, "When told about the incident, the artist, Mr. Catalan, said no problem at all." This is not the first time bananas used for Mr. Catalan's work have been eaten by a visitor. No. In 2019, performance artist David Tuna pulled the banana from the wall after the artwork was sold for 120000 no. at Art Basel in Miami. You know, I, 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 I sort of remember that. Do you? I sort of remember Wait a sec. Wait, wait, wait. There is a human being walking the planet that bought the banana duct tape to the wall for $120,000? It's incredible. That person needs to be separated with their wealth. Yeah. I mean, but I think this that might be the wind beneath Hunter Biden's wing. <laughs> you know, like he sees if you can tape a banana to a wall, then I can paint a picture and anybody will buy it. Well, it's just, uh, you know, if you like a piece of art, you can always buy a print, you know, like it's a banana tape to the wall. You could make that at home. I mean, yeah, this is like, you know, one trip <laughs> yeah. to Home Depot in the grocery store and you've got a $120,000 piece of art. Apparently. Oh, man, if we had a rendering of you in a banana hammock, do you think that could go for 120 pence? Because we mil. could do a lot here at the Winter 120 mil. Yeah, a lot more Christie's record. You think you'd, we would fetch upwards of seven figures for something like that? Absolutely. Well, well that kind of ties into let's the next look topic. In, let's look into that. <laughs> the next topic says, you need meat. Oh, oh, God. Great transition. (laughs) Scientists say as they call for an end to the zealotry pushing vegetarian and vegan diets. I think this is something that's been so completely apparent for a very long time. Is this a penis study? Uh, This is from the Daily Mail. I don't know who they cite, but I find the Daily Mail to be very reputable. Okay. Uh, It says scientists have called for zealots to stop pushing vegetarian and vegan diets on people, warning that meat is crucial for a healthy lifestyle. Yes, it is. Almost a thousand academics from leading universities across the world have signed an initiative 
which argues that livestock farming is too important to quote become the victim of zealotry. This is an I would have never expected this. No. This is this is out there because like academics for the most part have effectively been bullied into the whole like death cult bullshit of like yes yeah we're gonna eat crickets feed your children crickets stop yeah good for the a thousand academics you know that's wonderful they've all come together this is this is great so maybe we can tie them all together. And we can get you to do like maybe some kind of a PSA, like a like a public service announcement in the um, banana hammock. Is that- in the banana hammock, <laughs> talking yeah. about the importance of meat. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Brought to you by Big Penis. Yeah. <laughs> is that possible? You think we can get that? We that's a seven figure deal. That hundred percent. No. I want it. I want. I want some. Let's get the lawyers to draw I it. Want, up. <laughs> I want some. Yeah, I want some. Some residual rights on that. Okay. Okay. All right. We'll get them to draw it up. <laughs> uh, as you're listening to this today, there is going to be uh, just a real doozy of a hearing in the Senate Judiciary Committee, where these scumbags are attempting to slander the Supreme Court once again. Yeah, and I mean, this is a theme that I've been harping on for a while because. Uh, to me, I see the Supreme Court at this point as essentially the last line of defense that yeah. conservatives or sane people have mm-hmm. in this country. You've seen the left take over academia. You've seen them take over the media. Uh, they've got the White House. They've got the Senate. And the world we live in is a direct result of that. You see, I mean, limitless amounts of madness. You've got a, uh, you know, a gentleman dressed as a woman at the White House celebrating his 365th day as a woman. Uh, you know, this absurdity that we live in is what they want to make a reality. And the only thing that has stood in the way from some of these policies is the Supreme Court. There's been no bigger thorn in the side of the left than the Supreme Court. Joe Biden unilaterally tried to freeze rents uh, in this country. The Supreme Court put an end to that. You know, he's been trying to uh, have taxpayers essentially pay for all the student debt in this country racked up by, you know, the children of millionaires who, yep. who, who took out these loans so that they could go to an Ivy League school to learn basket weaving. Uh, and they don't want to pay for it, and they think the taxpayers should pay for it. And Joe Biden agreed with them, but the Supreme Court is the only body capable of putting an end to this. Of saying this, no. Yeah, because this president acts completely unilaterally. He knows— Otherwise, all the TikTok stars are going to be setting policy in this country. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's, that's basically what's happening That's here. the bottom line. And so— to that end, you've seen a concerted effort from the left to undermine the institution of the Supreme Court. And we need to talk about that for a second, because you saw a bunch of stories that came out on Clarence Thomas's friend, who has been a, a friend for decades of his. And he went on vacations with this guy, and he gets like a full expose alleging some kind of impropriety. Never mind the fact that the guy, his friend, has never had business before the court or done anything that's sort of like at all involving Clarence Thomas in the business of the Supreme Court. But yet it's this huge expose that they're then asking senators and congressmen if they can vote to impeach the guy. Which is insane. And so one of the folks leading this charge is one of the worst people in the Senate, possibly the world, Sheldon Whitehouse, (laughs) senator from Rhode Island. White clubs. and, And this is the thing is, uh, the Daily Caller reported on this yesterday. Uh, Sheldon Whitehouse's wife, Sandra Whitehouse, has worked since 2008 as a consultant and senior policy advisor for Ocean Conservancy, while the senator has introduced at least two dozen bills relating to oceans. Mm. You oh. want to talk about a conflict oh. of interest. Like, they're trying to make this a case for ethics, right? This has nothing to do with ethics. You know, Sheldon Whitehouse is a tremendous hypocrite 
him and his wife, this this lady who's who's been taking money from this ocean cause while he pushes the legislation, uh, have ownership stakes in clubs which don't allow, don't have a single uh, member who's black. It's all white beach clubs. I wonder why this guy hates Clarence Thomas so much. You know, like I, I would love for a senator during the hearing to be like, I'd like to look into the motivations of this. Is it true, Senator Whitehouse, that you have a ownership or your family, your wife have an ownership stake in an all white beach club? Could this be why you arbor this kind of a crazy grudge against Clarence Thomas, who did nothing wrong? Maybe he should recuse himself That's the from the hearing. Bingo. That would certainly kick things off, wouldn't it? I mean, that would be a great way to start. You know, Senator Cruz, Senator Holly, if you're hearing get after him because this is this this is nothing to do with ethics for over a year supreme the conservative supreme court justices have been besieged in their homes mm-hmm. illegally it's breaking the law you're not allowed to have wackos outside the homes of judges anywhere else in this country they'd be arrested however the department of justice does the bidding of joe biden Merrick garland is completely fine with lawlessness as long as it's conservatives who are suffering. And it's, and it's by the it. way, the only funding in the history of the federal government that Democrats are down to cut, which is security for these justices in their home. I mean, think about that. Think it's, about that. This, and, and this is in the wake of an attempted assassination of Justice Kavanaugh, who they've, they tried to tar, feather, and ruin his life with lies before. Mm-hmm. You know, their playbook. In the worst, scummiest possible way. Scummiest. And the lawyer who, who brought forward those, argue, those lies about uh, Kavanaugh is currently in jail. Yeah. For lying. And it's all this sort of campaign, right? So that's the Clarence Thomas piece of it. They then go to the next target, which is uh, uh, Gorsuch, and they start talking about a land transaction, like he sold his land. And then they go <laughs> then they go to, to the Chief Justice Roberts and start alleging that his wife, who works in a, a, a legal uh, consultation business, that it's basically like a headhunter for lawyers, that somehow that's, there's impropriety in that because her husband is the chief of all judges, right? And that she shouldn't be able to do that. And all of it's coming at the same time. Yeah. At the same time, they then put this hearing on the books and say, why don't we have Chief Justice come down and testify as to the ethics of the Supreme Court? They're trying to invalidate the court. Mm -hmm. That's what they're trying to do. Of course, Roberts tells him to fuck off because he doesn't have a scintilla of obligation for the head of one branch to go visit the head of the other branch of government. Like, check out the Constitution, folks. That's the way that shit works. But now they're just trying to drum up any sort of public doubt you can have about the validity of the Supreme Court. And it tells you a lot about the mindset of these people. Right? They're so used to getting what it is that they want. Bingo. Every day. They're so used to bullying people into just following along, saying the sky is blue, saying that men can have children. You know, I mean, it's like... Bingo. It's, it's like... That's e- it. Every single thing that they have conjured up in their crazy minds has to be executed by corporate America, by Hollywood, by the higher education system, mm-hmm. by all of the branches of government and the entirety of the information flow in this country, and they found one that they can't bully. And this is their temper tantrum. So this is the temper tantrum. And that's the thing yeah. is you never heard these arguments for the previous 50 years... When it was essentially Ruth Bader Ginsburg calling the shots in Supreme Court, any left-wing policy that they wanted, oh, it's fine. You know, we have no problem with the Supreme Court. You know, RBG's there. It reminds me a lot of, in 2018, Democrats had a really good election year. But the states that they had up in the Senate were really bad. Mm -hmm. And Republicans picked up seats in the Senate despite losing like 50 or something like that in the House. And there was a full-throated argument that the media fully 
explored about whether the Senate, as representing all states in the union with two senators, was an outdated model. I remember yeah. this. And was and was not properly democratically little d mm-hmm. representing the people of the United States. Yeah. And it was the same thing, right? We, we're willing to tear down the very core institutions in our country the moment they don't go the way we want them to go. Yeah, I noticed, you know, after uh, Kevin McCarthy passed that deal on the debt ceiling, you didn't hear any of these reporters talking about how undemocratic the Senate is. It's funny and, how that argument went away. It's so weird. It's so weird. Huh. And like, you know, that pesky electoral college that uh, we heard all about in 2016. Yeah. Right. I didn't hear a lot about that after 2020. <laughs> no, Did you guys? In fact, I heard a lot about the sanctity of our elections. I mean, that's the thing. And and to me, this is quite possibly the most dangerous because the way that our founding fathers set up the Supreme Court is to be an independent arbiter who simply interprets the Constitution, right? And that is extremely key because when they can take over the referees, that's the end of the game. It's the end of the game. It's the end of the game. I agree with you. It's hugely important. We'll stay on it. We may even give you an update on Thursday, depending on how that thing goes. Um, this one caught our eye because we remember we were talking about War Games for Reagan. War Crimes for Reagan, one yeah. of the best games ever. Long, long time ago, at the earliest stages of the Ruthless Variety program. That's right. Uh, what was the thing called? It was a Call of Duty, but it was the version where you play like in the 80s. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What? It was It was in 2020. Um, I can't remember what the name. It was, it was a Call of Duty game from 2020. <laughs> And we it, just called it War Crimes for Reagan. But because yeah. like it got noted in the media, they were like, this is horrible. In this game, <laughs> Ronald Reagan instructs the players to like kill terrorists by any means necessary. Oh, I think it's Black, <clears throat> Black Ops. Is that the name of it? Okay. Black right. Ops. <laughs> it was yeah, by, that, yeah that's like, right, because that's what it is. You're doing War Crimes. Ra- like, you, in the game, I'm telling you folks, if you haven't played this, it's amazing. Reagan calls you in his office, and he's basically like, kill all the bastards, right? Yeah, him and, and I'm Jim like, Baker. All right, yeah, dude, Jim ready Baker's to go. Yeah, Jim Baker's in there, yeah. Like, this is what I've been waiting for my whole life. Right, and, and then, so like, and then in, in like the first uh, mission or whatever, at the end, you can decide whether you want to throw the terrorist off the roof or keep him, or keep him, maybe yeah. for intel, like arrest him. And like, I remember without exception, all of us were like, "Did you throw him off?" <laughs> all of us threw him <laughs> off the fucking building. Didn't even <laughs> blink. Ronnie said, "Bring justice to the world," and that's what I'm going to do. That's what that's we did. You know, I'm not going to take this guy for intel. I got the intel. He can't fly. Well, so now <laughs> apparently the Red Cross is now involved in gaming because oh, the on. Red Cross, according to FoxNews.com, urges gamers to obey laws of war while playing first-person shooters. "Quote: Even wars have rules." Unquote. Well, I guess the Red Cross was never in Nam. <laughs> The humanitarian organization is calling on all first-person shooter player... (laughs) Jesus. This is so... To obey the rules of war. Real-life guidelines uh, governing wars uh, in world of video games as well. Do these people not have an actual job? Like, (laughs) so I've heard stories like when disasters strike and stuff to find a local charity that you know is going to go there because like the Red Cross will always run ads to be like donate to us but I've heard that like a significant percentage of that money goes to like administrative costs oh, now and you're... folks like this who are releasing statements about like actually folks be nice in video games like <laughs> bro there is a there's a disaster somewhere right now that you could have all hands on deck instead of releasing statements about okay folks you I gotta do... follow the, the laws of war I do the Geneva feel... conventions apply in video games <laughs> <laughs> it is so far afield from what they do. Yeah, where does where does teabagging come in <laughs> in the Geneva Convention? 
You know, you'll see the kids when they're playing Fortnite or whatever. They like to humiliate the guys that they've killed. Yeah, well, so this is you're bringing up new information. You yeah, never I mean, heard of it? It's the funniest shit. Like really? after they shoot him, they'll kneel on his face to tea. They're <laughs> yeah. teabagging him. Yeah, that's definitely a war crime. The Red Cross is definitely opposed to that. Yeah, I think they've got a long-standing opposition to that particular move. Article five, no teabagging. No. <laughs> I did not know that. I mean, I, back uh, you guys played Goldeneye back in the oh, day. Oh yeah, yes. yeah, the Bond one. Yeah. yeah. Whenever we played like um, Remote Mines or whatever. Oh God, yes. If I killed somebody with like my gun and they were like still on the ground, I would throw a remote mine on them just to blow it up for fun. <laughs> war that's, crimes. That's a war crime, Mr. Duncan. I'm just getting rid of the evidence. Red Cross is going to come calling for you, Apparently. pal. <laughs> anyway, so we just thought that was interesting. Um, I think we should play a game. Yeah. Speaking of games, let's play one. Um, well... It's Tuesday. We're not going to play King of the Hill, but what I have produced here, fellas, is Mad Libs. Oh, nice. yes. So let's get to that music. Mad, 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 madly, mad, 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 madly, mad, mad, mad. Mad, 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 so very mad. Ooh, 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 ooh. Mad, 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 madly, mad, 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 madly, mad, mad, madly. That's a banger. It's a banger. Such a hilarious a production. We haven't played it in a while, so for our new listeners, it's three rounds that um, I'm going to read tweets, crazy tweets from libs or people who've lost their minds, and I'm going to blank out a word or phrase, and then it's multiple choice. You have to decide which was in there. Um, and you oh. tell us who the tweet's from, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, okay. Okay. So here's the first tweet. This is from Dash Dabrowski. Okay. Oh, God. There's the guy who does the really too close first-person videos. On TikTok, he just zooms in his face, and his, his pupils, you can see the white all around him, which is a sign of psychosis. <laughs> <laughs> he just shouts into the camera, wide eyes. Parody, parody, we're laughing. Allegedly. Okay. Allegedly. Here's his tweet. Democrats support school teachers. Republicans support blank oh i got this yes. this should be good these are my favorite ones where it's like short and sweet and it's like a banger you knew he sent that and he was like yes yeah okay a super spreaders b school shooters my god c book burnings d white nationalists all right, so I am, I am, I'm just telling you, I didn't even hesitate. I could have filled this in without the multiple choice. I'm going school shooters, B. Wow, okay. Yeah, uh, I'm going to guess, because this is a common tactic of the left, is to, to try and project. So, like, you saw Biden didn't go and talk to the victims of the shooting of, of, of the, the school. This is the national Because it was Christian, so Nashville he didn't talk thing. to that family. He, he talked to, like, trans activists and such. Yeah. About, well, I hope you guys don't suffer as a result of a transgender of, person of, of, of shooting doing this massacre. Of yeah. all this unpleasantness. So yeah. I'm going to have to agree. I'm going to go with B, uh, school shooters. Okay. Will you, will you read the choices one more time? A, super spreaders. B, school shooters. C, book burner. D, white nationalism. I'm going to say C, book burning, just to differentiate a little bit. And, as part of the game. Uh, as part of the game. And because the libs are just so up in arms. They have been on this. On the book issue. They, they really they, want... They demand their children have pornography available yeah, in yeah. school for right. kindergarten. And they call, they call, they that, 
they call that books. I saw Chelsea Clinton weighed in on that over the weekend. Oh, God. She was, she was up in arms uh, mm. concerned about it. Didn't read any of the passages from the books, however. <laughs> I got to imagine she'd be real surprised. So the tweet again is Democrats support school teachers, Republicans support school shooters. Uh, <laughs> He's just such what a, a banger. It's a banger. It's a banger. Garbage. I mean, that dude fires that thing out and he's like, hell yeah. Yeah, this yeah. is art. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to happen. Okay. Uh, all right. Tweet number two uh, is from Sherry, my Sherry, Sherry Jacobus. Nice. Oh, boy. This could go anywhere. Yeah. That's the thing with Sherry. <laughs> it could be anything. It could get anything. I'm going to start a business where a drag queen will deliver Bud Light and blank directly to your door. Oh, my God. Oh, oh no. man. Oh, oh, man. Oh, man. A, yard signs. B, Disney movies. C, absentee ballots. D, banned books. These are. This is tough. This is tough. I'll go. I'll start for. The, I'll start for this one. Yeah. No. no well, actually, oh, you got Smug, oh, Smug has to start first. Okay. Um. Boy, this is a tough one. I'm. I, I'm trying to decide between absentee ballots and Disney movies. Um. I think it's too early. Dems haven't really started thinking election as much. I mean, Biden only just announced. I'm going to go with Disney. Disney movies. Okay. Uh, it's my turn. It yeah. is. I, I'm sticking with the theme on books. I think I'm going to go banned books. Um, okay. Uh, just because the libs have really been all over that. So my thought process here is like, she's crazy enough to think it might work, but like if a transgender person shows up at your door with an absentee ballot, that could have mixed results. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure that that's where she's going with this. Yard signs, I don't know who would sell any of that. So it's a bad business. Okay. I'm going to go with Disney movies. Ashbrook has it. Banned books? Banned books. So, Good for you. So I knew it was going to pay off for you eventually. I mean, if you're planning on having an event where a transgender person shows up reading pornographic books to kids, that's any public library. That's not like a spub, you know, special <laughs> event anymore. You can just go to the public library. Go, go to library. the public library. It's happening there, folks. <laughs> Third one here is from uh, Mueller, she wrote. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. Who, uh, Murder's row terrible. Still not embarrassed to have that. <laughs> <laughs> still her, totally her not hiding. Yep. Uh-huh. One of these days, he's going to come and save the day. <laughs> 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 I'd like to thank Elon for shuffling all the blanks to the top of the replies. Oh. It makes for easier blocking. Hmm. A, MAGA idiots. B, trolls. C, Nazis. D, Musk fans. Hmm. That's a tough one. That's a very tough one. Um because they hate they hate Elon so much because Elon has unleashed free speech back onto the platform. It's amazing that there's people who have different opinions than these people. They they yeah. they're just coming to find out that there's not a <laughs> monolithic. <laughs> Look, I didn't know there were separate like voices on Twitter. <laughs> They've been locked up for so long. <laughs> mm. Okay, so Ashbrook, you got to go first here, pal. Uh, okay, I'm just going to go MAGA idiots. Okay. 
because um, Ch- Cherry hates hates anybody in this world who wants to make America great again. I'm going to go with Nazis, Bob. I feel like that one has got the right tenor and tone mm-hmm. of what we're looking for here in this particular game. Yeah. And, and I'm going to have to agree with him. Even though Ashbrook's wrong, this is from Muller she wrote, not Sherry. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. A real-time bailiff (laughs) pulled out the bailiff. That's right. And, I mean, maybe that's the reason why Ashbrook lost and Holmes and Smug won. Tie for the win. (laughs) Tie for the win. I'd like to thank Elon for shuffling all of the Nazis to the top of the reply. I mean, it's incredible. Nazis. It's incredible. What a tweet. Yeah. What a tweet. What a queen. I mean, can you imagine? Oh, these people. Wow. I don't even. I, I can't even dignify it. That's incredible. Um, all right, so that's our fun game. Uh, we gotta start doing more of those. By I know the way. They're, they're really good. It's just really tough pain- choices, guys. I gotta admit, it's just really painful to have to actively pursue this content. Yeah, it's like giving yourself like a head trauma for <laughs> eating this shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's certain jobs like being like an air traffic controller. Or like I don't know, having to answer nine one one calls like that are just very stressful jobs. <laughs> Perusing the bowels of Twitter for lunatic libs is like you know I'm gonna need I'm gonna need some time. Well, the good news is, old man, you are uh, situationally balanced enough of a uh, human being to just be able barely. to deal with this. <laughs> just barely. <laughs> I think we did it, fellas. I think so. Absolute banger of an episode, if I may say so myself. Thank you so much to our listeners. Uh, We appreciate seeing our numbers grow. So until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay ruthless.